You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Now that we get to the book of Proverbs, it's written around 970 to 675 B.C., kind of a big, um, a big gap there of when it is written. Um, the time period that it covers is really indefinite. Um, it, it covers pretty much every time period. Now, the author are three different men, Solomon being one of them. Um, Agur is another one, or Agur, and a man called Lemuel. Now, Lemuel is either a non-Israelite king, or many people believe that it was Bathsheba's nickname for Solomon. We honestly don't know. But it's interesting to look when we get to there. We're only going to get through chapters 1 through 9 tonight. The audience is unspecified. It's not like it's just for the nation of Israel. It's, it's a book of wisdom. And when you read about Solomon and everything that he did, nations were coming from around to hear his proverbs and his songs and his wisdom. So we already read chapter 1, verse 1 through 7. Moving from Psalms to Proverbs, we find major differences between the two books. Psalms is really for our devotional life. Proverbs is for our daily life. As Psalms is about praise, Proverbs is really about practicality. Proverbs is one of the three wisdom books. So what are the wisdom books that we have in the Bible? We have Job. We have Proverbs, and we have Ecclesiastes. Now, we already looked through Job, and Job asks a question. What does Job ask? What does the book of Job ask? Why do bad things happen? Proverbs comes along, and this is the question that Proverbs asks. How are we supposed to live here? How are we supposed to live this life? And in many ways, the book of Proverbs can be compared to a user manual. It's a user manual for life. It's filled with practical teachings and warnings that help us to maintain, improve, and repair our lives. Now, herein lies a a very important preface to the book of Proverbs. A lot of people read Proverbs and they take it as, how do I explain this? The, The book of Proverbs focuses on the rule Live by wisdom, good things happen. Live by foolishness, bad things happen. It doesn't focus on the exceptions to the rule. For instance, Proverbs 22.6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he shall not depart from it. I have known parents do it right, and the child still goes away and does its own thing does his own thing or her own thing. That doesn't mean that Proverbs isn't teaching the truth. It's God's word. It's inspired by by his spirit. It's profitable. No, living according to Proverbs doesn't guarantee that everything in life is going to be perfect. Just like you can follow a user manual for your car. Some of you gentlemen are very mechanically inclined, and then some of you gentlemen are like me and just run it into the ground, make sure that the headlight fluid is where it's supposed to be, and everything's good. Speaking of that, we need to uh, replace that really quick. So you can follow the user's manual to a T, but every now and then on the road, you're going to run into a nail, 
or some other Yahoo on the road doesn't follow the user's ma user manual and his car breaks down and crashes into yours. You can't help that, right? You can't help that. However, I guarantee you, your car is gonna run smoother following the user manual than not following the user manual. And the same goes for our life. Our life is gonna run much better living according to Proverbs than ignoring it. A few times out of 100, a few times out of 100, a child who was trained properly might make a poor decision and go off and do whatever he wants. 99 times out of 100, when a child is not trained up in the proper way, he's going to follow that life. Every once in a while, you have an exception in that way, where you have a child from a very difficult, horrible atmosphere that comes and they do, and they do what's right. Now, before you wonder, why would God give us a book that doesn't talk about the exceptions to the rule, a, a book of wisdom that doesn't talk about the exceptions to the rule? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you think Job and Ecclesiastes are about? So they don't contradict each other, they complete each other. Where Job was a just man and upright, and yet bad things still happened, and they didn't understand why. I followed the user manual, and why is my car still breaking down? And God had to come and give him the answer, which is basically get to the point where you're close enough to me where you don't need the answer. And we'll get to Ecclesiastes later. Proverbs focuses on the maintenance, the improvement, the repair of our lives here on earth. And all of these lessons are based upon the foundation of wisdom. Now, what is wisdom? Wisdom is what you do with what you know. That's what a lot of people would say. It is the application of knowledge. Have you heard it put this way? Knowledge or understanding is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad, right? So wisdom is the application of knowledge, but we have to go further than that. It is the proper application of knowledge. Wisdom is what we need. Now, okay, let's stop right here and let's talk about something. Everybody has their own opinion about what is proper, right? present the same scenario to 20 different people, and you could very well get 20 different opinions of what to do, and all of them believe that they're right. Proverbs comes and says, God's opinion is the only one that matters. That's what Proverbs is really all about. Wisdom is what we need to live this life as God would have us live it, to act and react as God would have us act and react, to approach every decision with God in mind. Somebody said this about Proverbs. Proverbs. Proverbs are laws from heaven for life on earth. Counsels from above for conduct below. Words of the wisest on ways of the world. It can be divided into three sections, but it, it's, it's really not necessary. It's, it's really more for study purposes. You have Proverbs 1 through 9, which are Solomon's parental Proverbs. And a lot of them are going to start with my son my son. You'll see that over and over again. They are proverbs that David taught to Solomon that now Solomon is passing on to his son, most likely Rehoboam. Part two is chapter 10 through 29, which is Solomon's various proverbs. And if you read in 1 Kings chapter, 30, uh, chapter 4, verse 30 through 32, it says that Solomon wrote like 3,000 proverbs. So um, uh, most of them are, well, not most of them, uh, a, a good bit of them are going to be in Proverbs 10 through 29. And then 
part three is chapter 30 and 31, which is the Proverbs of Agur and Lemuel. Now, immediately in Proverbs, and I really wish all books did this, but Proverbs gives its own mission statement. That would be nice. <laughs> this is why the book is being written, but that's exactly what Proverbs does. Uh, so let's just get right into it in chapter one. You have an introduction in verse one, but then in verse two through four, you have the mission statement, the purpose of the book. It is so that you can know wisdom, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, judge, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge, and discretion. And in verse 5 and 6, you have a key preface to the book. What man does it talk about in verse 5? It talks about a wise man. And it says this, a wise man is still going to increase learning. Someone who has already found wisdom needs to keep searching for it. This journey of wisdom that you're about to embark upon as you read the book of Proverbs, it's never over. You are constantly looking for wisdom to live your daily life. The moment that you believe your journey to find wisdom is over, you're actually not wise, you're a fool. It's what Proverbs teaches. We are constantly looking. And the first step, so imagine here, we start here. Point A, point B is wisdom. Okay? So it's important to start in the right direction, to have the right first step. And Solomon brings out in verse 7, the first step is something called the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of of knowledge is what he says in verse 7. What is the fear of the Lord? It is the reverence of the Lord. It is standing in awe of the Lord. But this is the best working definition that I could come up with that I could find. The fear of the Lord is living your life understanding that God is watching and that your earthly decisions bring divine consequences. That is the fear of the Lord, understanding that God is watching and that your earthly decisions bring divine consequences. And that's why the verse says a fool despises wisdom and instruction. And when he comes up to a decision, he makes the decision based on his own knowledge. But a wise person is going to seek for more wisdom to make decisions that are pleasing to God. God, how would you have me handle this situation? Because I know you're watching, and I know that this decision is going to bring a divine consequence. So I really want to do it right. And that is something big, like who you're going to marry, or where you're going to go to school, or where you're going to join a church, or where you're going to serve, to what you're going to wear for the day. To if you're going to reach out to that person or not reach out to that person, how you're going to approach that relationship. It's, it's, it's from the smallest all the way to the biggest. And throughout the rest of the chapter, really, in verse 8 through 19, Solomon brings out the first decision. Here's the first decision where you can apply this fear of the Lord. He says, son, are you going to listen to your parents or are you going to listen to the world? That's your first decision. Will you listen to the instruction? I am amazed at how many children with godly parents who raise them right will throw it away because a peer tells them to. 
years and years of instruction are traded in for one moment of temptation. And this first section, verse chapter 1 through 9, is really focused on the young people. And, and here's why, okay? Here's why. Young people, right here. Praise God that you are being raised in a spiritual environment, whether that is at home or that is here at church or it is both. You're being raised in a spiritual environment, but the day is going to come where you are going to need to start making your own decisions. You cannot ride on the coattails of your parents for the rest of your life. Your, your dad and your mom's spirituality cannot be your spirituality. God has no grandchildren. You need to start making your own decisions, and that is what Solomon is bringing out to his son. When that day comes, you're going to need some wisdom. And in verse 20 through 23, he says, wisdom is not hidden. Look at it. Wisdom crieth in the chief place of concourse. In the openings of the gates, in the city, she uttereth her words. When people lack wisdom, it's not because wisdom is hiding. Doesn't James 1, 5 say, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not? Look in verse 22. How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity, and the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge? Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. A lack of wisdom does not come from wisdom hiding. It comes from neglect. Because wisdom is out in the open. And when you neglect wisdom, there's something that you need to know. It won't come to your rescue when you make a poor decision. Wisdom is meant to keep us from making bad decisions, not free us from the consequences of bad decisions. But, in verse 33, whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. So in this first chapter, did you notice we have already been introduced to four different people? And you are in one of these four groups. All of us are in one of these four groups. There's the simple person. A simple person is somebody who really doesn't know what to do, doesn't know what is right or wrong. They're young. Maybe nobody has taught them before. They're young in age or they're young, young in their Christian life. Um, verse 4 says, Proverbs is to give subtlety, to give craft, to give skill to the simple. And wisdom cries to the simple and says, how long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? You need to stop being simple and come to wisdom. Number two, a fool. A fool is somebody who knows what is right but does what they want anyway. And wisdom cries to them, how long, ye fools, will ye um, hate knowledge? How long, fools, will ye hate knowledge? You need to come to wisdom. Number three, a scorner. A scorner is somebody who knows what's right, does whatever they want anyway, but then tempts other people to do the same. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Number four is a wise person. A wise person is somebody who knows what is right and does it and continually does it throughout the day. Uh, so we have to ask ourselves, what type describes us? Where are we? Are we simple? Are we foolish? Are we a scorner? Are we wise? But no matter where we are, we all need wisdom. It's crying to us. So chapter 2. In order to find wisdom, Solomon says, you need to have a constant desire for it. Even though wisdom isn't hidden, seek for her as if she was. Seek for her like hid treasures. 
Look for her early in the morning. Even though she cries out to you, you cry out to her. Have that constant desire. Recognize that wisdom only comes from God. So don't look for wisdom anywhere else. Don't look at it in men. Don't look at it in philosophy and in science and all those things. Look for it where it comes from, which is God. And then it talks, he talks about the benefits of wisdom in verse 10 through 22. And here's how he does it. He says, in this life, and this is really the main part of part one, and we're going to circle back around it, and you'll know that I'm done at that point. In this life, you are running into constant decisions. A decision here, a decision there. Life is not a highway. It is a series of crossroads. And depending on how you make that decision is depending on how you're going to live your life. Have you ever had one of those choose-your-path books? And you get there, and you, oh, I didn't move. I didn't, yeah, I, I didn't want to make that decision. No, no, no. Redo, redo. You can't do that in life. Oh, I'm sorry, honey. I didn't mean to say that to you. <laughs> Good luck. Where was I going with that? Oh, yeah, decisions. And as you make these decisions, Solomon says you're going to run into some evil people. You're going to run into, and he introduces his son to an evil man. He says the evil man is going to just go and do whatever he wants. He's a fool. He knows what's right, but he's just going to, he, he's got frowardness in his heart. He just wants to cause trouble. That's it. You're also going to run into a strange woman, a recurring character in the book of Proverbs. The strange woman is a scorner because she's going to tempt you to follow her way. But then you're also going to have an opportunity to follow good men. And you're going to run into these decisions every single day. Wisdom is what helps you discern. Are you a good person or are you an evil person? Oh, no, no, no. No, I'm not going to deal with that. Nope, that's a strange woman. No, that's not. Wisdom is what you need in order to discern from that. So chapter 3. Your desire not only has to be, it has to be constant. You know why? Because we have a natural tendency to back away from things. We have a natural tendency to get used to things, to take things for granted, to lose our fervency in certain areas, especially when it involves work. Sorry. He says you need to keep your desire because you're going to have a natural tendency to lose your desire. It's a long journey. It's a long journey, and it's not easy. Otherwise, everybody would be wise. He says, don't forget wisdom. Don't let mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them on the table of your heart. And then you know this verse. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. What is he saying? You need to be all in with this. You need to rely wholly on God. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Don't follow your own understanding. Forget about following it. Don't even lean on it. Lean on him. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. Don't rely on what you think is right. Rely on what God says is right. And that's really difficult because foolishness of God is wisdom to men. And wisdom of men is foolishness to God. And that's why Proverbs says at, some, at two points in Proverbs, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is are the ways of death. You are going to come up to a decision, that's the way to go. That's it. And God says, no, that's the way to go. And every part of your nature is saying, but that doesn't make sense. This seems right. This is what seems right right here. 
And that's why we need wisdom in order to discern between the two. We have to wholly rely on him. Honor the Lord with all thine increase. He says you're going to make mistakes. In chapter 3, verse uh, 14 through 18, or 11 through 13, you're, you're going to make mistakes. Don't get mad when God corrects you. He loves you. He wants you to find wisdom because wisdom brings a happy life. Wisdom is more amazing than finding gold or silver or rubies. Uh, nothing you can desire can be compared to her if he starts talking about how God used wisdom to found the earth and to establish the heavens. If wisdom was good enough for God, if God used wisdom to make everything we see today, what do you think your life would look like if you use wisdom to build your life? And it goes and it says it in the end of uh, chapter 3. In verse 23, your life, you're going to be able to walk safely. You're going to have peace in your life, verse 24, verse 25 and 26. You're going to have no fear of the wicked. The wicked will be there, but you won't be afraid. You'll be generous. You'll be kind. You'll be content. You'll rely on God. You'll be humble. You'll be patient. That's what wisdom brings to you. And in chapter 4, he says, but this is your choice. This is your choice and your choice alone. My father taught these to me as I am teaching them to you. Good things, doctrine that must not be changed. And that's why before you seek anything else, seek wisdom. He says in chapter 4, verse 7, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. He says, I have taught you as my father taught me, because I want you to have a good life, but now it's your choice to continue in what you've been taught. Will you follow after wisdom, or will you be a fool, or will you be a scorner, or will you choose to stay simple? He says, choose wisdom. It's a much better life. Now, having made this point of introducing to wisdom, the source of wisdom, the benefits of wisdom, all of that, he's going to start teaching different lessons based in godly wisdom, starting in chapter 5 through chapter 29, really. And in chapter 5, he gives a more detailed warning against the strange woman. Remember, the strange woman is a scorner. The strange woman is a picture of the world. It is, uh, she is a symbol of lust and immorality. She is a source of temptation. And the father says, son, she's a very smooth talker. Her lips drop like a honeycomb, but her end is bitter as wormwood. She speaks very smoothly, but she's a liar. And it starts sweet, it ends in wormwood. It's smooth, but then it's sharp. It looks like the path of life, but it's a highway to hell. Stay away from her, he says in chapter 5. It's stay away from her. When you play with fire, you're going to get every single time. And he says, if you ignore my instruction, you are going to be the one who has to say, it was my fault. And what is a fool? A fool is somebody who knows what's right, and does something completely opposite. He says, if you ignore what I'm telling you, you're, you're a fool. Look at verse 12. If you ignore me, you would have to say this. How have I hated instruction, and my heart despised reproof, and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined to my, mine ear to them that instructed me? I love this verse. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly, you will have to say, I grew up around and under good people, and I still messed up. It's my fault. That's what you would have to say. That's what a fool would have to say. So she's going to tempt you. She's going to tempt you to lust. So you know, 
son, the best way to avoid lust is to be content with what you have. We talked about that this morning in Sunday school, to be content with what you have. And he, he gives an illustration of a marriage. And he says, just like you wouldn't commit adultery on your wife, just like you wouldn't leave your spouse and take another person's spouse, just as you should find satisfaction with your spouse, be satisfied with what God has given you. Why would you take what you don't have at the expense of everything you do have? It's not worth it. Chapter 6, he continues with other great matters. He talks about finances and surety. He talks about um, laziness and industry and taking initiative in things. My goodness, we need some more of that today. He talks about what a fool looks like. He says he's always sneaking around. A fool is always sneaking around, wanting to cause trouble, and it's going to come back to bite him. You know why? Because God hates it. God hates foolishness. You want... We're going to do something. I'm, I've never noticed this before in Proverbs 6, okay? Um, I am going to read a statement at a time. So every, every comma, I'm going to stop. And I want you to do the same thing, okay? I want you to start in verse 13 when the Bible is talking about a fool, an evil person, I am going to start in verse 17, which is the six things that the Lord hates, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Remember that? So you're reading about the fool, the description of the fool. I'm reading about what the Lord hates. And see if you can find a correlation. So starting in verse 13, would you read that first phrase, the five words leading up to that comma? Go ahead. He winketh with his eyes. My first, God hates a proud look. What's the second one? He speaketh with his feet. My second, oh, I'm, yeah, my second is a lying tongue. He speaketh a lying tongue. Your third one, he teacheth with his fingers. Mine, hands that shed innocent blood. What's the next one for you? Frowardness is in his heart. My next one, verse 18, in heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. What's your next one? He deviseth mischief continually. My next one, feet that be swift in running to mischief. What's your next one? He soweth discord. What's my next one? A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord. God doesn't like foolishness. When you know what is right, and you're just going to do whatever you want anyway, to whom much is given, much shall be required. God is not pleased with a fool. He'll have patience with the simple, but he still calls for wisdom. He has no patience with a fool, and he smites scorners. He likes wise people. Okay, so moving on in chapter 7, he gives another warning against the strange woman. Now let me ask you this. He's already mentioned the strange woman in chapter 1. He gave a further instruction about the strange woman in chapter 5. At the end of chapter 6, he talks about how a thief, when he is caught, will not be hated if he is stealing because he's hungry. If a man steals so that he doesn't starve, will, and when he's caught, will people hate him for stealing so that he can live? No, but even when he's caught, you still got to pay it back. You can't steal. But then he says, don't expect the same sympathy when you start stealing other people's spouses. He's talking about adultery. And now, in chapter 7, he's going to talk about the strange woman again. Okay, 
if David is the one who taught Solomon these Proverbs, he knows a little bit about this. Don't make my same mistake. What does Solomon do? He ramps it up by a thousand. Solomon was a wise man, but he made some mistakes. Seven hundred mother-in-laws. Chapter 7, the strange woman is found lurking around in the streets, tempting, forcing young men to follow her ways. The, the simple young man, void of understanding, falls for her trap, ruins his life. He's simple either because nobody taught that young man about the strange woman or he just decided to, cho to choose to say simple. But David and now Solomon wants to make sure his children know about her. And further, David and Solomon wanted their son to know about another lady. So he talks about the strange woman in chapter 7. In chapter 8, he's going to talk about who I'll call Lady Wisdom. In chapter 7, you have this strange woman lurking around in the streets at her corner, sneaking around wanting to tempt people. In chapter 8, you have another lady in the street, but she's not sneaking around. Sneaking around. She's open, crying out to everybody. And he talks about the cry of wisdom, that it's open, that it's free, that it's clear, that it's valuable. How valuable? What does wisdom have to offer to a young person in verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 12 through 21? You can go through. It brings prudence. It brings hatred of evil. It brings counsel, strength, leadership, eternal riches and honor, guidance. And it's not just valuable to man. It's valuable to God. All throughout creation and history, wisdom and God dwelt together, wisdom says. Lady Wisdom says, I dwelt with God. I was with God from the beginning. Let me ask you a question. Do you think what God values should be something that we value? Yeah, I, I like your enthusiasm, young man. Very good. What was your name again? Jacob? That's a good Bible name. Yes, we need to talk about that after. I appreciate it. He's right. The young man's right. How old are you? Young man, keep following in what you're learning. That's, that's good. Yes, there absolutely is. Because who's, who's the one pulling the strings, Jacob? Maybe the strange woman, maybe the, maybe the world is there, and that's the puppet. But who's holding the strings? Satan, every single time. You're right. Amen. So, what's going on? Let me look at my notes again. Jacob, I blame you, man. Oh, yeah, here we go. Okay, so what... what God values is something that we should value. Now, let me ask you this, all of you, and there's no such thing as a wrong answer unless it's a wrong answer, but what do you believe that is, what do you believe is the most valuable thing to God in this world? What is the most valuable thing? Souls? He that winneth souls is so if wisdom is valuable to God, it should be valuable to us. And wisdom is action, applying knowledge, skill. One of the best ways to see a wise person is someone who's a soul winner. Absolutely. He that wins souls is wise. Chapter 9, we have the final, and this is our last one, last one for today. I actually thought we might be able to get through the whole book. <laughs> Oh, wow. Silly Johnny. Okay, so chapter 9. 
his final parental address, and it is a direct comparison. You were just talking about this today in Imerian, weren't you? So it is a direct comparison between Lady Wisdom and the strange woman. And he's going to need to make a choice. And Lady Wisdom at the beginning is calling out to the simple, and she's prepared a feast. She's prepared a feast of wisdom, and she's inviting anybody who needs wisdom. How many of you need wisdom? Right? Okay. So inviting everybody who needs wisdom to come and eat, and eating at this feast leads to life and understanding. The foolish woman, in verse 13 through 18, she's also making a feast. She is also calling out to the simple, but there's a problem. She didn't really pay for the feast. She kind of stole it. So it has to be eaten in secret. And eating at that feast leads to death and destruction. Switch those. Destruction and then death. You can't, yeah. And then right in the middle, right in the heart of the proverb, verse 7 through 12, Solomon brings out to his son, every day we are going to be walking down the streets of life and Lady Wisdom is going to be calling in this year and the strange woman is going to be calling in this year. Both of them are calling to a feast. Both of them are calling to something that they say is going to bring good things. How do you make the choice? We need wisdom to be able to discern what is right and what is wrong. Because leaning on our own understanding, we're choosing strange woman every time. And he ends this portion by reiterating what he said at the very beginning. Remember, son, the first step towards wisdom that you have to take every single day is the fear of the Lord. You're going to run into decision after decision after decision. And remember that God is watching and the decisions that you make here on earth bring divine consequences. So wisdom is not asking which path is easier or which path seems nicer. It's which path does God want me to go on? Multiple decisions in each. Here's the thing, okay? Each one, we need wisdom. Now, can you live your life without wisdom? Yeah. Can you make decisions without wisdom? Yes, you can. But you're making it a lot more difficult. I hate multiple choice questions. Do you remember watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And they had that lifeline, the 50-50, okay? And a lot of times you would say, I know it's not that one, I know it's not that one, it could be one of the two. I want to do 50-50. And sometimes it would completely just take away that one. Okay, it took away that other option that it might be, so I know it's that one. Bingo. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice just to have, if, if the Bible was a magic eight ball? Lord, what do I? What do you think wisdom is? If any man lack wisdom, let's turn there. J James chapter one. James chapter one, and then we'll be done. Most of our choices are going to be between two options or more, right? 
If any of you lack wisdom, verse 5, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You come up to a decision and you have a crossroads. And you want to make a wise decision. You want to reach wisdom. You want to get there and, and please the Lord. You want your decision to please the Lord. But you have a decision right here. Wisdom is what you ask about. Lord, show me which way is right. And then you just need to have faith that he will. He says, we'll give you the wisdom. We'll abrade not. I'll abrade not. We'll give it to you. But ask in faith, nothing wavering. Because here's the thing. Without wisdom, can you still make a choice? Yes, but double-minded. And you live a very unstable life. So what's the application for us today? Understand how much we need wisdom, that every single day we live our life, people are going to be calling to us in every single different direction. This is the way to go. That's the way to go. No, that's the way to go. No, this is my opinion. That's my opinion. Stop. Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what do I do? You know, I hope that you understand this. Lord, what do I do? That is the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. That's the first step, a very important step to get right. That comes from asking, Lord, what do I do? At every decision, Lord, what do I do? If we learned how to ask at every decision, Lord, what do I do? We would have a lot less of asking, Lord, what do I do now? Ask him first. Seek him first. Wisdom is the principal thing. And oh, we need it. We need it. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.